Hey, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. So we're now finally moving out of the first century and moving into the second century, which is really a pivotal century, right? Yeah, it is, because from from a lot of Protestants' viewpoint, it's the apostles, the things they wrote, and then they skip ahead. Mm-hmm. But the second century is vitally important for understanding how the church develops from the apostles yeah. and down through the centuries. Yeah, it's a fascinating century. Mm-hmm. Um, so... What was this all about so far? Let's start there. So everything we went through in the first century, um, it's about the foundation, right? That Like St. Paul says, I laid a foundation. Yeah, he says in his letter to the Corinthians, according to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. And another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it become, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work, which he has built on remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Yeah, so that's that's huge because what what it tells us is that the the foundation of a building really speaks to what kind of a building is being built. Mm -hmm. And so St. Paul says, I laid the foundation, it's Jesus. But at the end of that section, so he goes through talking about how every, another man is going to build upon it, more and more people. And then what's, what happens is that there's a pruning that takes place mm-hmm. throughout, throughout history, that, that God is going to, to wipe away what was wood, hay, and straw, burn it away. And so then the fire yeah. will, will only keep what was precious, but then he says what kind of a temple it is, or what kind yeah. of a building it is. Yeah, it's a temple. Yeah. And there's a positive end to it, in that there are those who are going to come, and they're going to build upon it, mm-hmm. and they're going to follow the plan of a temple. Yeah. And they're going to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So the church, and the point is, the church is meant to continue on. You know, sometimes we think of the church of the first century, and it's like, well, the apostles gave us the church, and that's what it should be through all ages. Mm-hmm. That's not the case, according to St. Paul. Yeah. That there will be others to come along to build on it, and hopefully they're building a temple. Yeah, or they, or, or the, the, the temptation, um, when we were Protestants, I know, it's sort of subconsciously you think that what you need to do with the church is constantly be like reforming it and shaping it and moving it to try and keep getting it in line with this first century mm-hmm. <laughs> apostles mm-hmm. uh, experience of the church. Whereas when you when you adopt this view of the church, yeah. St. Paul's actual view of it. There's a blueprint, now go build from the blueprint. Go build it. Yeah. yeah, because what's going to happen is that the Holy Spirit is going to guide the building process mm-hmm. and prune out whatever. This is how you end up judging even the fathers themselves mm-hmm. by what survives. Yep. Because there's so many saints throughout the church. I mean, I'm thinking of Saint Cyprian, for instance. You know, he takes he takes this this uh, stance on rebaptism of heretics that the church herself does not end up taking. Yet Cyprian is a saint. Yes, he's a saint. So it's a great example of what we're going to see. We're going to see a lot of fathers saying a lot of things, but only what endures is of God. Is of God and is Catholic. Yep. Exactly. So that's, that's the that's what I would call like we would both call like the theological view mm-hmm. of the church, where God is the one in control. The divine and human element of the church are not co-equals. Right. You know, it's like the divine wins. The divine wins in the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where the principle of authority comes from. But that's why getting into the second century, this this these are pivotal centuries. Yes. Second, third centuries. Yeah. That's so what we'll be exploring. So what are we gonna see? So the first thing that we're gonna see is the first great heresies 
of the church. Yep. We've seen like, you know, debates about circumcision and things like that. But this is going to be the first time where the church no longer has the apostles or even later in the century, the apostolic men to cling to. Mm-hmm. Um, the church has so what are to they going to cling figure to? this out. Yeah. 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 So we'll, we'll go through the great heresies, but the great, the good thing I think what we're going to do or pull out from this is not only tell you about the earliest heresies and the, and the, and the heresies that the church is encountering, but how they also relate to modern day heresies. There's, there's really nothing new under the sun. It's mm-hmm. like heresies back then show up in kind of different ways nowadays. So we're going to pull those out for people as well. We'll have Catholic takeaways from that. Um, too. But but how does the church help itself, mm-hmm. apologize, and defend itself in the second century? We'll be going through that. We're going to be talking about the development of the rule of faith in canon. Mm-hmm. We'll be talking about the development of apostolic succession in the episcopate. We'll be talking about the, the creeds, okay, mm-hmm. the coming together of the New Testament. All of those things are going to help um, the church fight back. Yes. Yeah. And and not only not only those things on the intellectual level of heresy, but even the worship. Uh, we're going to see liturgical development, continued liturgical blossoming and development, which also becomes a guide for the church to ward off heresy mm-hmm. uh, and to distinguish itself from alternative communities that are starting to sprout up. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, you're also we're, we're going to talk about the development of calendar. Um, this is going to be the first time where we see a debate even about like well, where, when do we worship? You know, do we worship on Sunday? Um, we're going to see Easter. Like, what's the proper date of Easter? We received one tradition here, one here. Well, um, even just the the um, the first tension between a Western church and an Eastern church. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still very much a, a Greek-speaking church in the second century. Mm-hmm. But you're going to begin to see at the end of the century a kind of Latin Christianity come out. That's true, yeah. And um, to that end... The filling out of the calendar around Easter, you're going to start to see um, feast days mm-hmm. of martyrs. So this is also going to be a century of blood. It's going to be a century of, of martyrdom. Yeah, and we're going to be seeing um, how the church thinks of the martyrs, and not only of the martyrs themselves, but even of and their their bones, but also of um, the stories mm-hmm. of their martyrdoms and how they frame those. Yeah, they they how they well really they were public liturgies to mm-hmm. people. Um, but but also related to martyrs, we'll be talking about those who we call confessors. Mm-hmm. So those Christians who um, were meant to be martyrs, they were willing to be martyrs, but lived or survived, mm-hmm. and and how they're treated, and and how that relates to the development and the flowering of the penitential system. Yes, yeah, the binding and the loosing of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also going to see continue our um, treatment of what we call the parting of the ways, and that's. Rabbinical Judaism, which we've shown is its own kind of later development yeah. in in Second Temple it's Judaism, a, it's as it's as different uh, uh, to First Temple, Second Temple Judaism uh, as some would say Christianity is to yes. First Temple, Second Temple Judaism. Yes, yeah. Um, and so a lot of times, you know, you'd see it as this kind of event where Christianity breaks off from Judaism. It, it's not that mm-hmm. way. And we're going to show that parting of the ways in the second century. Mm-hmm. So that would be you know Christians and Jews, but we're also going to show now how. Um, the Roman world now. Now that the the Christian community is yeah. starting to distinguish itself from the rabbinical, uh, their rabbinical Jewish neighbors and the synagogue, and they they really are the church. You're starting to also see for the first time Romans are recognizing that this is a different religio. Like this, 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 this is something, something else is happening. And, and how do those how do the Romans view the church? Um, how do they understand them? How do they debate them? Yeah, you know? Wh- which which then also will give rise 
to uh, the first Christian apologetics to yep. the Roman world. Yep, Not exactly. just talking to Jews, but now talking to a pagan Literally world. Literally writing to the emperor. Yes. Here's who we are, somebody like St. Justin Martyr. Right. And then that's also the, um, the birth of Christian philosophy. We'll actually see the first uh, Christian philosophers uh, defending the faith from a philosophical mm-hmm. standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, finally, we'll see the church succeeding and growing across the well, empire. Ex- explaining, why is the church succeeding? Mm-hmm. Why is the church winning? Um, what is that Roman context? What, what is going on in the Roman world? That allows for the church to take hold, take root, mm-hmm. and then to to begin to spread. Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be a really exciting venture moving into the second century. I think because it's such a formative century, uh, it's a great way for for Catholics who are who are not familiar with the early church to start to kind of like rebuild your faith from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we're doing this channel. Yeah, even, is to sort of go take you through our journey of breaking breaking us down so that we can build it up. Uh, and bring us to the fullness of the faith that we see in later that centuries. That full temple that mm-hmm. St. Paul talked about. Yeah, exactly. 